This is Pitch Black, the podcast. My name is Kyle Mankey. This is officially the first off-season podcast for Pitch Black, the, the first um, non-SAFC active season episode. Um, pretty bummed to say that, I'm going to be honest. Uh, we'll talk about the end of San Antonio FC's season. Um, and you know, there's a lot of good that came out of that. There's some frustrating things that we saw throughout the year that, that reared their head in that match. But, um, overall a lot to be proud of on on the season. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We will talk about who you voted for in our unofficial, um, fan voting poll for MVP for favorite players some some little categories like that. Um, give you your voice there and see who came out the winner. We will talk a little bit about some news going on around North America as far as USL expansion, MLS expansion, um, and some cool things going on around the country, uh, some not cool things going on around the country uh, in the world of soccer. So plenty of stuff to talk about tonight, Uh, but I want to kick it off by um, mentioning something that I didn't think I'd be talking about so soon. But one thing that we had talked about starting around the beginning of the season, um, one of the things that some of the guys from Pitch Black had started talking about was uh, a little bit of a rebrand for the website. The name Pitch Black News, uh, pitchblacknews.com, it was a uh, reference to what we thought the color was going to be of SAFC's kit. Uh, before SAFC even had a name, back when they were USL San Antonio. Uh, we thought they'd be black. Um, soccer is playing on a pitch, so thought it'd be cute to do pitch black news. And it was uh, a good name. It was a fun name. I stand by it for the time we had. But um, in the end, it's something where you have to explain what it is. <laughs> and it's not very obvious just from the name. Um, that it's about soccer, that it's about San Antonio, that, you know, anything. Um, and then on top of that, on the website, we've also started covering Athenians a little bit. Um, we plan on covering a broader array of topics about San Antonio soccer outside of just SAFC, um, even though it will primarily still be an SAFC site. Um, however, all of those things combined we uh, talked about doing a little bit of a rebrand, a little bit of a, a change of names in the off season. Um, however, we we jumped the gun on that a little bit. I think like hours after we released last week's podcast, so um, couldn't have timed that any worse. But uh, if you haven't noticed already, uh, PitchBlackNews.com is now. 210soccer.com, all spelled out, 210soccer.com. The new Twitter handle is at 210soccer, and that website is going to cover San Antonio soccer. Um, We've got a lot of big plans for next year. (laughs) I'm very, very ambitious with that site um, about some things that we came up with in the middle of this season, and we just couldn't deploy them before the beginning or we couldn't we couldn't successfully deploy them in 2017 so um that's that's going to be the focus this offseason is some of the cool things that we are looking into um hoping to get a lot more active on that site get a lot more written content out a lot more videos a lot of cool things um going on on 210soccer.com 
all of which uh, will be San Antonio focused um, like it's always been uh, with Pitch Black other than, you know, the occasional national team piece or the occasional expansion piece. Um, though I don't think we'll have too many more of those for San Antonio, um, given all the news lately. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about that. I hope you're excited about that. If you are a fan of San Antonio soccer, I think you're going to like what we plan to do. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for supporting pitchblacknews.com. Um, I hope you enjoy the content on 210soccer.com. Uh, it's going to be very similar, just a whole lot more of it. So really excited for that. And you'll see that ramping up um, probably early 2018, kind of just before the season starts, um, you know, January, February-ish. So really excited about that. If you haven't checked it out, please jump on there and let me know what you think of our new logo. We have uh, some t-shirts and stuff on Teespring with the new logo on there because some folks were asking about Pitch Black um, merchandise and that was tough to do with our, our Pitch Black logo, but it works perfectly with our 210 Soccer logo. So, and, and, you know, obviously from the name, it's it's more about San Antonio and, and not about the brand. So, um, you know, if you feel like checking it out, feel free to. I'm not trying to sell you anything. We don't make a ton of money off of that or anything. And any money we do make is going to go right back into the site, as always, just like on Patreon. So, anyway... 210soccer.com. It's fun stuff. Um, and there's big things coming. Um, I say all of that because the name of this podcast will probably be changing in the next few weeks. Um, stay tuned for that. You won't have to change your feed. You won't have to seek it out. Um, one day you will just look at your podcast app of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Podient, Google Play, however you're listening to it. Um, you will look at that and you will see the new name and be like, whoa, what's this new show I subscribed to last night and forgot about. But in reality, it will be our show. And uh, in a lot of ways, it'll be the same. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the future of the show later. Um, But it is going to be very heavily San Antonio FC focused, um, very USL focused, uh, very um, Central Texas focused. So uh, I, if you like Pitch Black, the podcast, I think you're going to like the rebrand of the podcast when it comes down the pipe. But anyway, enough about me, enough about us. Um, first off, I want to shout out before we get into San Antonio FC, while I'm still talking about the site, um, I want to shout out some of the folks that make that site possible because, um, It really is a team, and I hope that the perception is not that it's all me because it's absolutely not. Um, This year, Jonathan Check and last year, Jonathan Check has been a tremendous help in uh, writing, in uh, managing the site in a lot of ways, and uh, being there on press row for the games. And, uh, you know, really, you know, I couldn't have done it without him, without all these guys, really. Um, but Jonathan check was a big one. Um, Jesus Miguel Garcia handled all of the video stuff this year. Um, and if you haven't checked it out, there's a Vimeo link on 210soccer.com. You can check out some of the hype videos that he did for San Antonio FC and, and they're just awesome. 
Um, and then Jose Jimenez wrote a whole lot this year as well. Um, and he wrote in Spanish too. So, you know, added that other depth to our site and hopefully helped, um, you know, reach an audience that we were not reaching before. So, um, those three guys in particular ha- have been absolutely huge for the website. And of course, Aaron Marvel being the co-host for the last year and a half, two years, almost, um, you know, th- this whole thing has been a team effort and-, and I really appreciate all of those guys. Um, before that Johnny Stout did some writing in 2016. Steve Abel took a ton of photos in 2016 before, um, he ended up moving to Chicago. Um, but you know, love those guys and really appreciate everything that everyone has contributed to the site. And I'm sure I'm forgetting someone or a few people, but, um, you know, make sure you're following all those guys on Twitter and, you know, they're, they're smarter than me in a lot of ways. And I, uh, really thank them for helping, um, fill out this this team that I had envisioned and we've got some big things coming next year it seems like most of us are going to be back so it's going to be fun and I look forward to 2018 in a whole lot of ways however let's look back at 2017 for just a moment um San Antonio FC hosts OKC Energy FC um in the USL playoffs it's was a game that we all kind of saw coming. I mean, raise your hand if you didn't think that it was going to go to penalties because I I feel like that was the general projection other than a few very optimistic folks. Um, And it was really frustrating to see because we've seen this script so many times earlier this year where San Antonio FC gets an early goal and then in the 80-plus minute, they... Um, concede and it ends up in a draw or they end up having to come back in the last minute and that's hard I mean that I don't fault SAFC for that that's hard to fend an opponent off at the death and when they're you know giving everything that they have to draw even or to pass you Um, unfortunately that's exactly what happened against OKC Cesar Elizondo um, scored in the seventh minute off of a Reiner Schindel assist. Uh, and then in the 85th minute, Wojcik Wojcik scored off of a Jose Angulo assist uh, to even it up. No scoring in extra time. And then San Antonio FC goes down 4-1 to one on penalties um, to end their playoff run um, right there against OKC. Um before I talk about the season in general, I just want to talk about the game a little bit. And I'm not going to dive deep because we don't know how many of these players are going to be around next year. We don't know what the roster will look like. That's just kind of um, the the nature of lower division soccer and, and minor league sports in general. Um, but, you know, seeing... Marco Jong get the start at right back over Ben Noonan, I thought was really interesting. I think Ojong, even though he uh, made a few mistakes in the games that he was starting at right back, he's just so fast, so strong, and so athletic that if he can, if he's coming back to SAFC next year, and if he can really hone in on how to play that right back position, he's going to be unbelievably dangerous in this system. 
Um, I, I really hope that San Antonio is able to keep him. Uh, he's a very young player with uh, a lot of um, athleticism and the ability to really make a difference if he's able to learn that position a little bit better. He's primarily been a midfielder in the past. So, um, man, it, to see him step up late in the year, it, it was good to see. Um, Ryan Rashindle, of course, playing midfield. That was kind of the surprise of the season, and it worked out pretty well. Um, he provided a huge defensive boost there, and, uh, you know, it, it was just exciting to watch him play. Um, he did have to come off in the 66th minute. It seemed like something was off with him that night. Um, he, he looked like, you know, it just didn't look right. Something was going on, it seemed like. Um, but, before that, late in the season, as he's been playing that midfield role, it's been really awesome to watch. Um, and then <clears throat> I, I would be completely in the wrong if I didn't mention the fact that um, it was really good to see Rafa Castillo come back on and get to see Rafa one more time in 2017 because it was really disappointing to see him go out the way he did where he got that face injury and then had to miss months <laughs> and... Um, you know, I'm sure he didn't want to be missing that time. I'm sure, you know, the fans didn't want it. I know I didn't want it. It was, um, really unfortunate on on how that all went down, but it was really cool to see as he was getting ready to check in the chance of Rafa, Rafa coming from the stadium and to see the excitement about him coming back in. Um, I'm glad I got to witness that and I'm glad that we all get to see that because he is, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of San Antonio soccer players <laughs> at this point between what he's done with Scorpions and what he's done with San Antonio FC. I don't know if you can hold any San Antonio soccer player in higher regard at this point. Um, and hopefully we see more of him. Hopefully he's back next year. Seems like he'll be back next year. Um, but, you know, we'll see. But it's really good to see him one more time this year. Um, it was... Also good to see San Antonio able to play well against OKC because that's absolutely been a barrier. The OKC is the only team in USL West that San Antonio has not defeated. Uh, obviously, that'll change next year when Las Vegas comes in and, and some things shuffle around. But um, as of 2016 and 17, OKC is the only team SAFC hasn't defeated. So uh, the the quest continues at this point, right? But they gave it their all, and it looked good right up until the end. So what are you going to do? I mean, that's that's the name of the game. Either you win the championship or you leave disappointed. And I think especially as San Antonio fans, we've gotten to that mentality of anything short of a championship is a little bit of a disappointment um, as far as playoff results go. But when you look at the season as a whole, finishing second in the USL West, which um, to me is the tougher conference, hands down. Um, you, you're, you defeated Salt Lake at home earlier in the season. Uh, you, you just ran through the conference, barring a couple little missteps. And that's something to be really proud of in your second year, in a year where you really don't have a track record. You really don't have a history with this team. And it was great to see. And players like Michael Reed, uh, Greg Cochran, Stephen McCarthy, 
Um, even, you know, even though we didn't see them as much, Matt Cardoni, Victor Arahujo, some of these guys who have been around both years and, and kind of kept that culture from one year to the next, that's pretty cool. And, and that's important. And in, as time goes on, we will talk more about who we think is going to be here for 2018 um, and who we think is definitely not going to be here for 2018. Uh, I don't expect those announcements to come in for a little while, but um, it was it was good to see the 2016 players and the new players for 2017 gel so well this year and do so well in their first year together. Um, I mean, finishing second in a conference, um, that's something to be proud of, and it was fun to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch this team this year, just objectively entertaining soccer. So hope to see more of that in 2018. Um, I'm bummed that, you know, this is the end for 2017, but it's kind of selfish of me to think that. (laughs) And it's kind of selfish to, uh, go championship or bust, but, um, you know, I, I had a lot of fun this year and I'm looking forward to next year and the year after that. Um, so good, good 2017 SAFC. Um, when we come back, I'm going to go through your fan voting for um, different categories, our, our unofficial fan vote on the player superlatives at the end of the year. Um, we will talk a little bit of news from around the country and some other big stuff. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. We'll be right back. We are back. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you in particular to the Patreon patrons who have kept this podcast advertisement free for all of 2017. Uh, We couldn't have done that without you. And we really appreciate every single cent that you've given us. And um, every single cent of that has gone back into the podcast and into the website and will continue to do so. Um, Just thank you. (laughs) Like Honestly, thank you. Um, if you are already a Patreon patron, you've noticed that the site has switched over to 210 Soccer for Patreon. Um, so basically what that means is that from here on out, the Patreon funds are sticking with the website. Um, we've managed to get the podcast to where, um, it is not really costing us significant amount of money (laughs) and, Um, so all of the Patreon funds from this point forward are going to go into the 210 soccer website, um, for now anyway, unless that changes in the future, which you will be the first to know and you will know in plenty of time to cancel your commitment, um, should that be something you want to do. But I don't plan on changing that, but you know, if we do, we'll let you know in time. Not looking to steal anybody's money over here. Just really thank you for for everything that you've done. Um, Let's get to the voting here. This is one of the more fun things that we got to do after uh, some of the drama that's consumed soccer Twitter lately. Um, uh, We'll go through a couple categories here. Let's start at the top here with who is your 2017 SAFC MVP? 
Um, the choices that were nominated were Diego Restrepo, Billy Forbes, and Sebastian Ibiaga. Um, but for all the categories where it was applicable, I put a fourth option with other where you could do a write-in, um, just in case you didn't see the poll. Um, that's kind of how it went down. But out of that poll for your 2017 SAFC MVP, Sebastian Ibiaga ran away with it a little bit with 53% of the vote. He is your fan choice 2017 SAFC MVP. Of course, unofficial, just uh, something we're doing here for 210soccer.com. Um, after Ibiaga, Restrepo came in with 29%. Billy Forbes came in with 16%. And uh, I believe Devin Vega had one vote in there as well um, in the other category. But congrats to uh, Ibiaga. Congrats to everybody there. Uh, Very well deserved. I mean, one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best defensive player in the league. We will find out how the league voted Um, after the USL playoffs, I believe is when they're releasing those. I know the ballots have already been submitted. Um, I submitted mine. So that, uh, that comes out after playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, or right before the, the finals, one of the two, but it's all based on regular season. So he's not missing out on anything there. Um, Diego Restrepo in second, one of the best goalkeepers in the league, if not the best goalkeeper in the league. And there's uh, a feature that's going to be on 210soccer.com in the coming weeks um, talking about that and and talking about his journey. And, um, you know, it's incredible to see where he started the season uh, in preseason and where he finished. (laughs) And, uh, you know, San Antonio has looked out two years in a row in having really quality backup goalkeepers um, last year when Josh Ford was unavailable, Matt Cardoni and Lee Johnston were able to step up, uh, this year it was, you know, Matt Cardoni that was unavailable for a while and, uh, Diego Restrepo and Lee Johnston stepped up and, you know, excelled. So very, very good goalkeeping club here in San Antonio. Um, next category, who's your 2017 SAFC defensive player of the year? Um, obviously this one, uh, went to the MVP, Sebastian Biaga. Um, I threw him on there cause I wasn't sure, you know, how the MVP voting would go. But after Ibiaga, um, Greg Cochran came in with 12% and Stephen McCarthy with 4%. And if I'm being honest, as great as Ibiaga was, I think that's almost unfair to Stephen McCarthy because, um, McCarthy was a good center back in 2016 and a great center back in 2017 at the USL level. Um, the jump that he made year to year was, it was like a whole nother player and seeing him in training sessions, especially earlier in the year, um, you know, diving for balls and making these athletic moves that, um, you know, maybe he made in 2016, but I don't recall them. And so as good as Zibiaga was, McCarthy really stepped up his game in 2017 and absolutely contributed, um, a ton. He, uh, he was not the same player that he was in 2016. He was good in 16 and, and great in 17. And of course, Greg Cochran is SAFC's Iron Man, um, holding it down there at left back for just about every San Antonio FC game in history. Um, man, I, I hope we see him for a third year, but um, 
you know, if not, what a great shift he put in over the last two years. Uh, no other player has even come close for San Antonio as far as, you know, minutes and, and everything else. Um, third category, a little more subjective here, which was 100% intentional. This one was meant to um, give give the voting public uh, a little bit of a voice here and have some fun. Who is your 2017 SAFC favorite player to watch? Um, the ones that were submitted for this uh, were Omar Gordon, Greg Cochran, and Rafa Castillo. So those are the ones that I put. Um, some others that came in, Billy Forbes, Sebastian Biaga, Devin Vega, uh, Chris Tierpak. Uh, I think that's it out of the others. Ibiaga, Forbes, Tierpak, Vega. Um, and then in the winning category, in the winning section, uh, Omar Gordon came in third with 21%, Greg Cochran with 26%, and edging him out by 2% to take the crown, Rafa Castillo, uh, SAFC favorite player to watch in 2017 with 28% of the voting. Um, I don't know how you how you break that down between those three guys, really between a lot of the guys on the team. This was a fun squad to watch. You've got Rafa who, you know, he could be in the opposite box and still take a shot from there and you're not safe. <laughs> like he's such a, a threat with those rocket shots that he's got. Um, Greg Cochran, he you know, it is basically another winger that, you know, can play defense. <laughs> and uh, he, some of the crosses, some of the passes he made and some of the positions he's been in has made for some exciting soccer. Um, admittedly, if you've listened to the podcast for the last few weeks, last few months, um, Omar Gordon was one of the guys that I couldn't stop raving about this year. Um, his shot wasn't quite where maybe uh, the club would have wanted. Uh, however, all of the chances that he created, all of the the moves that he made in the field, kind of throwing defenders to a, an opposite direction. It was really fun to watch some of his uh, ball skills that that he's got. It was incredible. Um, you know, no knock to Tier Pack, Vega, Forbes, of course. You know, a lot of good moments with those guys too. But uh, Gordon Cochran and Castillo, I think, are the top three for a reason. Speaking of Mr. Vega, who is your 2017 SAFC favorite young player? Um, I set the line here at under 23, and it just happened to work out that there were four players in that age group. Um, so the the poll worked out perfectly since you can only have four options. So we did Connor Presley, who is 19 years old, Marco Jong, who's 20 years old, Devin Vega is 18 years old, and Maxi Rodriguez, the oldest of the group, is 22 years old. Um, those are your four youngest players on the team. Um, out of the voting, Devin Vega ran away with it a little bit with 44% of the voting. After that, Marco Jong with 29%. And uh, Maxi Rodriguez was 17 and Connor Presley with 10%. Um, it was, you know, there's a lot of a young talent on this team. Obviously, you'd love to see the academy as it grows and as it develops, um, maybe produce players for the USL side. 
Uh, obviously, that's the dream, just to make one pipeline to a senior team. Um, but the the young players that SAFC has managed to get have all been pretty solid, really. And um, they're a little bit older than this group, but you add in guys like Victor Araujo and Lee Johnston and some guys who um, are kind of in their mid-20s that could really show could really blossom into starting players in in other clubs or in San Antonio in a few years. Um, Really Lee Johnston is a really interesting goalkeeper to me because he hasn't gotten a ton of time between the pipes, but um, he's been training with Juan Lan Madrid. He's been training with Josh Ford, with Matt Cardoni, with Diego Restrepo. Um, he's very tall and seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, he's a player that, you know, if Restrepo went away and if Cardoni went away and, you know, we were just left with Lee Johnston, there's a solid chance that he could be a a good starter, especially behind this defensive line. So, um, you know, uh, anyway, a lot of a good young talent on this team, but obviously the dream is to be pulling it from the academy one day, which, uh, you know, we all can't wait for. Got to support that academy. Um, so if you have any other comments, if you disagree with any of the votes, let us know at 210soccer on Twitter. Um, we will try and get everybody's opinion out there and make sure everybody gets a voice heard in that voting Uh, I'd be surprised if there weren't some sort of fan votes, either from the league or from the club or or something in this offseason. So keep an eye out for those, too, something a little more official. And we will keep an eye out for the official USL League awards as well. Um, Those, it's going to be a little tougher for San Antonio FC players to get um, representation. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but it's definitely possible and it's definitely deserved. Um, obviously I think the, the obvious two are Diego Restrepo and Sebastian Abiaga. Um, those two have to make the best 11 for USL. I would be pretty shocked if it went any other way, unless some of the voting committee was just looking at, well, who won the golden glove? I'll just vote for them (laughs) for goalkeeper. Um, they, they absolutely deserve it. After that, Billy Forbes, Cesar Elizondo, Ever Guzman, um, a lot of these guys have, have contributed pretty significantly throughout the year. It'll just sort of come down to who caught the voters' eyes and, uh, who was able to make it onto those sheets. So it'll be interesting to watch. We will keep an eye on it and let you know as soon as we hear anything and we will go over that. So, Exciting stuff. All that matters, I'm sure, is that uh, San Antonio FC fans have their favorites on who they felt contributed most and who they enjoyed watching the most and interacting with the most. Um, One thing that really struck me going back to that last game is it was one of the few games that I watched um, from the stands and not from the press box. and shout out to Larry Leathers for for helping me out with that, for um, putting up with my ranting and raving from the stands. Uh, don't get to do that too often, so that was fun. Um, but one thing that struck me was after the match, how many player, how many sorry um, fans stuck around, waited for autographs, waited to see their favorite players, 
despite the fact that it was freezing cold, despite the fact that the team had just been eliminated from the playoffs, um, not only did fans stick around, but players actually came out. And not only were they, you know, coming out and begrudgingly signing autographs, it wasn't anything like that. It was coming out and genuinely having conversations with some of these fans and um, showing their thanks to the fans for showing up. And it meant a lot to a lot of people. You could just see it. Uh, obviously, the adults who were there really enjoyed it, but the kids, man, like it was really touching to see how many kids were so invested with this club and had their favorite players and you know, just freaked out when their favorite player came over and had a little conversation with them and told them thanks for coming and all that. It was really touching to see. And if nothing else, San Antonio FC has continued the professional soccer ability of this city and continued professional soccer in the city. Um, uh, in a place where we wouldn't have it otherwise. I genuinely don't think the Scorpions would have been around in 2016. Um, and and it would be a shame to ever see that pipeline go away. So uh, anyway, it was really touching to see, and I'm really glad I got to see it. And, um, you know, disappointed with the results, of course. But, um, man, it's pretty obvious that fans have their favorite players and for good reason. And it's not always because of what goes on on the field. <laughs> so that's, that's really cool. And kudos to the fan base for, um, being involved to that point and kudos to the players and coaches for, um, being accessible to that point because you don't get that very many other places. Speaking of other places, let's get to some of that news we keep talking about from around the country. We want to start up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Some good news here, I think, for folks who are sick of the MLS2 teams um, playing in empty stadiums and seemingly not really caring um, about how they look. Uh, Seattle Sounders, we know, had partnered with Tacoma Rainers, um, the minor league baseball team, to transition S2 to Tacoma. We already knew that from earlier in the year. Um, however, we did find out this uh, past week, yesterday, I guess, one day ago, that um, they are going to go ahead and begin the immediate transition of S2 to Tacoma. Uh, and they will begin playing matches in Chesney Stadium in 2018, which is great. Um, it's kind of the same deal as RGV and Houston um, or you know Reno and San Jose, where an MLS team is backing this USL side, but the USL side has incentive to actually draw a fan base and actually make an effort um, beyond just giving your season ticket members, free tickets to your USL side. So it's great for USL, in my opinion. I don't expect it to be some life-changing thing. I, I don't expect anything on the field to change too much. We're still probably going to see a lot of loaned players uh, coming into S2. But it's great to not be playing in an empty stadium, potentially. <laughs> So, you know, any move like this, I'm 100% for. Uh, I know there were rumors about Portland trying to move to Boise, Idaho, and stuff like that. T2, I mean. 
Um, we'll see. And it'll be interesting for sure. But at least S2 will be uh, at Chesney Stadium in 2018. I believe it is a baseball stadium, which, um, you know, that that's not good. But if it's good enough for MLS, it's good enough for USL, right? <laughs> um, really, though, seeing some of the matches in Tulsa, seeing some of the matches from around the league, um, barring Louisville City's horrible situation, um, playing in a baseball field isn't necessarily the worst thing for uh, a USL side, and especially if it's going to bring you a larger fan base. I, I think that is for the best. So we'll keep an eye on that, and we're excited about that. Um, speaking of stadiums, um, there was an announcement. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, Andrew Dunn on Twitter says, with uh, MLS deal dead, Met County commissioners will uh, take back up the plan to renovate Memorial Stadium to house the Charlotte Independence. So uh, as the Charlotte MLS plan dies, the focus is now back on a USL team, which is what you kind of hope for from all of these MLS bids that may not be successful. Um, Looking at St. Louis, potentially San Diego, if they fielded a USL team, um, you know, all over the league, San Antonio, obviously, um, I'm not too worried there, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so that's great. And getting, even though they're East team, uh, and even though San Antonio FC will probably never play them unless it comes down to a, uh, playoff finals, USL cup finals. Um, it's good for the profile of the league for these teams to be playing in better stadiums. Uh, and it just, increases the reputation of the league and increases how people are able to view the league whenever they tune in on YouTube or see screen caps on social media or whatever. It makes it look more legit for for lack of a better phrase. And that's good because I think the play quality on the field has surpassed the infrastructure in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, not necessarily San Antonio, Um, but especially some of the clubs that have been around in the East for a while, that's a little tricky. So, um, of course, if you didn't see it, Las Vegas lights released their crest and it is gorgeous. It is as Las Vegas as can be. (laughs) You, you kind of just have to find this, um, on social media, on their website, uh, because I can't even describe it to you adequately through an audio medium. Uh, but that crest is perfectly Las Vegas. So kudos to them and congratulations to that fan base. I'm actually really excited for a Las Vegas team. Um, I'm hoping they have. So I'm going to be in uh, Las Vegas soon for an event. And I'm hoping that the Las Vegas club has some sort of presence out there. Because I kind of want to pick their brain about what is coming down the pipeline. So Uh, It's a really exciting time for USL, and there's a lot of really big things going on um, around the league that just are raising the profile of it, and that's good for everyone. Um, It just is, and I can't get enough of it, so yay for that. Um, Speaking of the league and shifting some things around, there were some trademarks filed um, very recently where USL filed for trademarks USL Championship, USL League One, USL League Two, 
and USL Youth. Um, those were all trademarked on October 27th. Um, very interesting. Again, USL Championship, USL League One, USL League Two, and USL Youth. Uh, we don't know where those would line up with actual um, play structure, where those leagues would be. Um, there's a lot of theories floating around. One that I wouldn't be too surprised to see is kind of modeled after how the English does it, how England does it, um, with USL Championship being the USL as we know it now, USL League One being the Division Three league that they're coming up with, uh, USL League Two being any uh, semi-pro or amateur clubs that are brought in, and then USL Youth being the Y League and um, really bringing in more of those academies and bringing in a more solidified pyramid for USL. So on its own, that's really cool. Um, taken in context of bigger things going on right now in U.S. soccer, this could be very intriguing because if NASL is successful in their lawsuit and um, basically renders divisions meaningless, even though there's a partnership with MLS, there's not as far as I know, there's not anything preventing USL from trying to be a Division I um, league if they wanted to be. Uh, obviously, the money isn't there like it is in MLS, and I don't think it would happen, but it is a very intriguing thought to uh, to look at to see the USL Championship being kind of a premier league in North America, and it could be a way for all of these cities who are clamoring for MLS to all get top division soccer if it were to come to fruition. I think that's a pipe dream. I think that's being overly optimistic, but it would be really interesting and really cool to see if that happened. Um, one thing I don't believe we'll see is promotion or relegation between the leagues, especially if you get any amateur or semi-pro teams involved um, because then you're compromising college eligibility and all sorts of issues there. Um, it would be interesting to see um, promotion and relegation, but I don't think we're going to see it in this iteration of USL. A couple more quick notes here uh, about things going on. It looks like North Carolina FC of NASL is going to be making the jump over to USL. Um, as far as I can find, I don't believe that's been officially confirmed. Um, but with San Francisco Deltas folding and with the constant turmoil that is NASL lately, it's not too much of a surprise. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see other clubs jumping over as well. Um, but it, it looks like North Carolina FC is for sure going to, although as far as I can tell, it has not officially been announced yet. Um, speaking of expansion, um, we've seen some news articles out of El Paso that make it sound like they are gunning for a USL squad. I don't know if it would be USL D1 or, uh, sorry, USL Main League or USL Division 3. Uh, they really need to come up with a different name for that, which it sounds like they are. Um, but it, I would think an El Paso team would be in the same class as a San Antonio team and an RGB team. Um, they're a big enough city with a, a definitely large enough soccer following. Um, and it'll be interesting. There's some really cool things happening in El Paso right now. 
Um, it's kind of being revitalized in some places and kind of getting that youth movement going through it, um, which is pretty neat. And obviously El Paso, not obviously, but in my opinion, El Paso would be a terrible home for an MLS franchise because you're immediately competing with anyone going over to Juarez to watch football. But um, for a, a USL franchise where you're focusing more on convenience and not having to cross the border, um, but still getting quality play, I think that's a perfect setup. And I hope we see it happen sooner rather than later. I hope we see it happen, period. Um, but I hope we see it sooner rather than later. Um, I would think that would be too far of a bus ride. I would think that would be a flight for San Antonio um, and RGV and potentially Austin if they still do their USL team. Um, but still, it's great to have another Texas team and have another one on the map. And we'll see if that becomes a rivalry in itself. Um, two little notes about MLS expansion. The first one is about Detroit. Um, there were some really interesting things that came out about Detroit's MLS bid this week. Um, namely that, um, they seem to have abandoned the idea of getting that jail site and building a stadium there. (laughs) And they have partnered with the Fords, um, and brought them into the potential MLS ownership group and announced that they would be playing their games in the same stadium that the Detroit Lions play their games in, which is an absolute cavern even for an NFL crowd. So to try and put an MLS franchise in there, it feels half-assed. It feels like it feels like San Diego did, where San Diego, everything about it screamed that the MLS group wanted the land and the way to get the land was to build an MLS stadium. Um, It feels like exactly the same story except in Detroit. And now that that's fallen through, um, they, they kind of put forward a half-assed bid. And and I think it's going to cost that market their chance at getting MLS. I, I really feel like the strongest in the East right now are Nashville and Tampa, and it's not even close um, to Detroit with the soccer-specific stadium taken out of the equation. One of the other interesting things about their bid was the renderings that they produced. Um, pretty blatantly stole Detroit City FC um crowds and scarves and logos and <clears throat> that's not a good look for a club who um and please correct me if i'm wrong if there's anyone out there who knows better than i do on this i i do not claim to be an expert but everything i've seen on social media makes it sound like those guys are okay with Detroit City FC and they don't care about MLS and so to without their permission take their brand and put it into these renderings was not a great way to win that fan base over. (laughs) And um, the architecture firm who created the renderings did apologize. Um, However, it's still not a good look. (laughs) It's still something that is definitely going to be used as ammunition. And you know, once something is on the internet, it's up there forever. These, these are never going to go away. (laughs) So um, I just don't see Detroit really giving an effort like some of the other markets did. I mean, even San Diego seems like they gave more of an effort than this, um, even when they 
eventually kind of had to throw in the towel temporarily. But I think as far as MLS expansion goes, I think right now it looks like these first two slots, one of them is going to go to Nashville. And I would guess the other one is either going to go to Sacramento or Phoenix. And my gut says Sacramento mostly as fan service. But I really think Phoenix is right up there with um, the competent bids from Sacramento and from San Antonio and some of the other markets. Um, the reason I said Nashville over Cincinnati is because Cincinnati's stadium is still kind of up in the air and they need to figure out their permanent home for an MLS team before um, MLS would, would accept them in. And the other thing is Columbus. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to put an MLS team in Cincinnati until they figure out what they're doing with the crew officially, whether they are moving to Austin or whether they are staying in Columbus. So for those two reasons, I think Cincinnati will be in USL for a few more years. Um, and, and well, both, all these teams will be in USL for a few more years, but you know what I mean? They're, they'll probably not get this first selection. I think it'll be Nashville from the East Um, and then probably Sacramento from the West, but I I think Phoenix is up there too. San Antonio, let's, let's just talk about it. Uh, I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to rant on it. Uh, we've talked about it enough, but just the new developments are that, um, Nelson Wolf has submitted a letter to MLS, um, basically saying that they are going to investigate the bidding process and how things went down. Uh, And if there was anything illegal about what they did as far as fraud or um, any any other business practices that may have um, entitled Bear County and the city of San Antonio by default um, to recoup some of the funds that they sunk into uh, Toyota Field with the expectation that the MLS bidding process would be fair. Mr. Wolf obviously does not listen to this podcast because I've been saying for two years that this bidding process would not be fair. Um, but regardless, we, we don't know what was said in those private conversations. Um, what we do know, what we do know is that um, Nelson Wolf threatened MLS with legal action. And so even if the Austin, the crude to Austin movement falls apart, which I don't think it will, but even if that fell apart, I think San Antonio's out. <laughs> I mean, you can't threaten the league and then ask to join, like, right? You can't, I don't know. It's it's a complex feeling because I understand his frustration and I understand the frustration of this whole process. I've been sitting in it for several years now with all of you, um, <clears throat> but any chance that there was still an opportunity to get an MLS, I think goes out the window with that, with any sort of legal action and honestly just a threat. Uh, it's, it's frustrating and it's disappointing on how all of this has unraveled in the last couple weeks. Um, but that is where we're at. And, over the week, uh, on Wednesday, a representative of Precourt Sports Ventures uh, was in Austin answering questions from the um, supporters group fan base there in Austin. 
Um, it was reported about 150 to 200 people in a tiny bar. It sounded like the bar was at capacity. Um, came out to hear him speak. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like PSV and the, the crew leadership are preparing for the move to Austin. And it doesn't feel like um, there were any question marks based on everything that I've heard from that meeting and speaking with some folks that were there. Um, they were not talking in hypotheticals. They were, you know, wanting to invest $200 million into the stadium site. They were, you know, it, wanting to establish an academy and establish a long-term footprint in Austin. So everything points to that being a done deal. And it sucks for the San Antonio expansion bid. It pretty much kills it, <laughs> right? Um, but the legal... the potential of a legal action is going to be the twist of the knife that kills it, uh, in my humble opinion, of course. Um, anyway, um, I hate to end it on such a downer note with conspiracy theories and all sorts of crazy stuff. I I don't know about all that, but um, I, I had a lot of fun doing this podcast this week. Um, we are going to continue on through the off season. We should be on, um, next week as well, every week throughout the rest of the USL playoffs. And we're going to keep track of all of the off season moves as far as, uh, USL expansion franchises and player movements and coaching movements, stadium developments. We're going to do some fun San Antonio FC related stuff that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Going to keep that close to the vest for right now. Um, but we don't anticipate this site going dead for the winter and we don't anticipate a big content drought. So, um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for listening all year and contributing and everything else that you've done. Um, we're not done. And just because San Antonio FC season is over, doesn't mean that our site and podcast are going away. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out on Twitter at two ten soccer. Again, the name of this podcast might change in the near future. But for now, this is Pitch Black, the podcast, and I am Kyle Mankey. And I do thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Have a great week. We will catch you soon.